Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Watford Buzz Podcast. My name's Matt Messiano and alongside me this afternoon is football analyst Jordan Weimer. And whilst he's not present right now, we'll also be hearing from football journal Tom Burdell later on in this pod. And together, we three make up the Watford Buzz team. A team that has disappointingly of late been a little bit absent uh, this for the past couple of weeks. And an apology for that, mostly my fault as host and editor for being stuck in an internet-free zone on holiday. And not only did I, did I miss all of the Brighton Palace and Spurs matches, but I also missed the transfer window as well. So I'm, I'm realising that it was probably the worst time to have gone on holiday. Um, my bad. Uh, but Jordan, <laughs> thankfully, you was uh, actually able to, to, to see all of the games and, and, and be present for everything, uh, at least virtually. So you know what was going on. And actually, it, it could be quite useful because um, not only, I, I, have, I have caught up with all of this stuff. I've watched all the highlights and, and, and everything. But I'm going to use this as kind of also a chance for you to catch me up as well. So I hope you don't mind. <laughs> Yeah, no problem, man. I'm glad to have you back, honestly. <laughs> let's let's crack on and um, let's go let's go chronologically through it because when I left um, for my holidays, I was pretty uh, I was pretty buoyant. We had just won uh, against Villa. Our spirits were well and truly high, but um, coming into the the next match against Brighton, we didn't fare perhaps as well as we'd hoped we would do. Uh, and from the highlights and replays I've seen. It seems as though part of that was to do with missing personnel, along with perhaps a little bit of naivety. What do you, what do you make of it, Jordan? Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Um, I'd say there was definitely some some issues on the pitch in terms of personnel that we were missing a couple of players, and uh, I think also that we were we played below our kind of standard that we what we'd hope our standard would be. But I do think we were kind of that was a game for me that we were very much out coached. I thought Graham Potter did a good job of. Uh, of finding ways to exploit how we were trying to play, and we just kind of got swallowed up and, and pretty lost in that game without any real sign of uh, of finding way back in. Apart from a brief kind of glimmer of hope when Josh King came on, it was very stale, and we just were never really in control. So I thought that game really kind of just just passed us by. Um, I think when you have that such a small amount of games, you've got to look at in, in our position where you kind of look at these these opportunities for three points especially away from home big opportunities and to, to let it slide over you so so easily is just a little bit disappointing Uri Cooker had a, a massive game against Villa he was probably one of the standout players but he was missing for that Brighton uh, fixture do you think that he was one of the, the big misses and did the club perhaps not get the right man in to, to replace what he was able to bring in that Aston Villa game yeah, I mean it's not it's unfortunate to miss a player that had such a good game previously as debut but 
I think it was more than just the one player missing. Honestly, I think there's a lot of elements to that one. Which even if even if Kuchka had been in there, I think we would still have struggled to to really take control of that game. But you know, it's one more thing. It doesn't help for sure. But I think overall there were, there were bigger issues than just the one player being missing. As as much of a disappointment as that was. Was it a different shape then, or was it exactly the same shape that we that we saw against Fulham? Uh, similar shape. It's just more that that Brighton were able to exploit that shape a little bit more. Okay, what um, did they do? They kind of they got very wide. They had their their wing backs out wide, and they didn't really allow us to to use that that width and power that we have from our wide areas. Um, the spacing from Brighton's uh, Brighton's team from top to bottom was very very wide, very vertical. They just stretched us out a lot. Um, and when we're trying to play a little bit more compact and, and try and hit on the break, when we're forced into being in these wider areas, we just we just conceded space too much, I think. And they were just able to dominate the ball, and we weren't able to nick it back because we were too far and. We didn't really have a good counter to it, so it, it was a good way, it was a good method to to exploit a team that's trying to counterattack you, uh, and and it really just stifled us. We didn't really have any answer or really try anything too different, which was quite worrying to me. So off the back of that defeat, I, I imagine that Cisco was probably hoping for a response, and that first game coming up after that was in the Carabao Cup. It was against Crystal Palace, a team that they had played uh, in a friendly game in in the in the lead up to the start of the season, and so they knew exactly. Uh, how how difficult they could have been coming away with a, a defeat in that one, but uh, it was a, a much improved performance, albeit with um, different personnel out there. Uh, we got to see the likes of Danny Rose and also Ben Foster came in to the in, into the sticks. Uh, what did you make of that game, Jordan? And and, and you know, do you think that the, uh, the the victory we got there was was a good response to the to the defeat against Brighton? Yeah, it's a little bit hard to tell in those games because there are so many changes and. Yeah. It can be a little bit disjointed, but you can look at the individual performances, and I thought there were some good ones there. Uh, I think that was Sirriata's first game in, in the team indeed, this yeah. season. Uh, Danny Rose, I thought, had a really good game. Uh, Chicho was, was lively as well. He got the assist for the goal. And, yeah, I think you can kind of look at those individual performances and, and feel quite positive about those. And I, I think it just made us feel li- just a little bit of a refresher that we, we do have some strength and depth to call upon. Um, and I think that game was kind of an isolated thing. Uh, but it was kind of a nice little boost after what was quite a frustrating game the week before. Yeah, that's right. And of course, that goal came from uh, from a, a debut player himself, who um, really got his first opportunity to, to to show us all what he can do. Um, and of course, that uh, of course that man was Ashley Fletcher. Um, I suppose bringing giving an example of what of what he can do for us this season because he's not expected to be the, the first name on the team sheet, but you know with performances like that, maybe he can work his way into that into that Premier League starting side. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, I think he's he's definitely kind of lower down the pecking order, but you never know of injuries and all these all these situations that could arise. Even being available to play in some cup games and and those sorts of things, you just you need to have a. You need to have a guy that's going to be able to contribute in some capacity, whether that's the majority of that contribution coming from being a decent striker in training to, to kind of work with the defenders. And you know, there's lots of there's lots of variety of ways that he could he could in, have an impact in the team. It doesn't necessarily have to be um, on the pitch leading leading the line every game, but if in this one particularly, he did well. And he had a couple of I don't know. I wouldn't say it was probably his best game throughout the ninety, but he was in a good position for the goal, and it was it was deserved, I'd say, in the end. So it was a positive for him, and hopefully that. Um, that kind of performance or, or the sign that he can score in those positions at least puts him up up the pecking order a little bit or slightly more in contention than he was prior to that game. And mm. um, what did you make of, um, of of Joshua King starting in the uh, in the middle of that, that that three of Fletcher and Hernandez? Yeah, he looks a little bit a little bit rusty. Um, Josh King's an interesting one. I think he does. 
he does offer us something different. He's quite different to forwards we've had previously. And I think the front three was it was kind of interesting that the fact that Fletcher was playing a little bit kind of wide right in that one. Mm. Um, but I like I like the mobility there, and I, I personally I think one of the best better options we have in the, in this team is the the kind of fluidity and forward positions that we do have. I think no matter who really starts out the players that are left here now in those four positions, they're all quite comfortable playing across any of the front three really in, in some regards. So if the ball's coming, if the if the ball is this the side of the pitch that's being active at that moment, the players can kind of move around a little bit and find ways to exploit space. Um, maybe not kind of stuck to that that position they kind of designated at the beginning of the game, and you know it, it makes it hard for defenders. And I think that's a, that's a positive for us, especially uh, if we're talking about being a counter-attacking team. We need to have that kind of versatility in that forward line. So I think Josh King playing there is just a good opportunity to see uh, see the kind of the kind of spaces he can occupy in in maybe some more Premier League games coming up. And Gaki got uh, an opportunity to to shine as well. In, uh, instead of Cathcart, who uh, has, has kind of been the uh, the starting right back choice, um, to at least to begin with with this season, what did, what did you uh, what did you make of him? Yeah, it was good to see him. Honestly, um, the Ngakia thing still confuses me a little bit. Um, in some regards, I understand the Cathcart playing. It's obviously it's a blow not to have Kiko for this long, um, but I, I think Ngakia is quite. Every time I watch him, I think he's a very good one on one defender. Maybe he lacks a little bit going forwards, but you know, Cathcart is it's conservative on the ball going forward, which is fine. I'd rather that than him losing the ball. But Ngakia, I think, is very, very good in those kind of one-on-one situations. He's hard to beat, um, and he carries the ball forward quite well. So I'm, I'm honestly, the, the Ngakia situation is one that I'm not entirely sure um, why Cisco doesn't trust him. But clearly, based on the fact that Cathcart's playing. He doesn't. Um, coming into this weekend as well, just kind of looking ahead for a second, just in regards to Ngakia, mm. it'll be interesting to see if if, he, if he'll be featuring at all. With Syriata being unavailable, you know, we're, we're, we, there's a position, there's a potential that we have all three centre backs that we currently have playing at once, and the, which is a strange, a strange concept when you do have a fit right back there, who, in my opinion, has been pretty good. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll come back to that one, but let's move on to the to the Spurs fixture and. Um, after the, the sort of the the highlight of, of, of winning in the Carabao Cup, I suppose the the guys would have been hopeful to go into the Spurs game with a bit of um, well a bit of buoyance, and um, they they certainly didn't disappoint. They they put on a very good show, and, and you know it was a, it was a narrow defeat in the end. But um, once again, uh, the, the squad was mixed up a bit. It was uh, I don't think Zisco has, has played the the same starting eleven yet. Um, but one of the one of the key uh, new guys was um, was the very recent transfer of Musa Sissoko playing against his old side, and he slotted up alongside Kuchka with sort of a Tebow just behind them, and he uh, he looked like he really belonged there in that midfield. Jordan, yeah, he was really positive actually. He was carrying the ball forwards. He was actually kind of one of our more dangerous players in the day too. Um, yeah, I thought he slotted in nicely. A couple of loose passes, but nothing nothing to be concerned about. I, I thought he kind of fit right in there, and he maybe wasn't quite the mould. Um, of midfield that some people wanted but I think in terms of what we've been trying to do what we've at least seen to be trying to do I think he's someone that can that can contribute quite a lot so I'm quite happy with that move and I thought on the day he was he was pretty positive actually he was indeed I mean it's still really for five million isn't it for for you know this this player that's got such vast international experience with, with a team like France and of course he's you know he's only ever played really in in the in the high Premier League with the likes of Newcastle and and of course Tottenham and you know he, I think he made 40 odd appearances last season for Spurs so he's it's not like he's been on the fringes of the side at all he's you know he's a, a quality player and 
albeit a little bit older now, he's still got several miles to run in this game, and, and he, you know, he looks like a decent acquisition for Watford. Yeah, I think he's had a couple of injury problems, but not, I mean, if, if he's on the pitch, I think you can feel really good about him. I think also too, there's maybe an element to consider as the the kind of intangible side of Sissoko. I know, even just from watching, I'm not sure if you saw any of the, the 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 Spurs all or nothing series, but he's clearly a big 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 part of the dressing room there. And I think I think you kind of have to look at these characters that are coming in a little bit too, especially when we're talking about the the dynamic or the or the, the squad changing quite a lot this season. It's probably probably one of, our, one of our biggest changes in terms of personnel over over the course of the summer in a long time, especially with some of the individuals that have left. So I think bringing in some guys with a bit of character too is probably another aspect that kind of goes into the consideration process when it comes to signing players like Sissoko. And uh, getting a couple of veterans in there, I think it, it can be over. It can be overrated sometimes in, in terms of bringing in these senior players, but also I think it is appropriate to to add some value to that as well. And I think this is probably one of those times. I've always quite liked Musa Sissoko, and I think he's undergone a bit of a kind of change in recent years, hasn't he? When he first arrived at Newcastle, he kind of they were play, they were I think Pardew was Alan Pardew was manager at that point. And they were kind of playing four two three one, and he was either up on that right hand side, kind of you know as a quite a physical kind of wide forward winger, and or as a kind of number ten. But at, at Spurs, I think you know he got shunted all over the place, really, didn't he? And mm. didn't necessarily. Um, bed in immediately but then became actually quite popular um, as Mauricio Pochettino's team grew again as a quite a, a physical midfielder and you know there's there's evidently more to him than that but I think given his experience you know hugely experienced French international part of successful squads um, with with France and you know someone that Didier Deschamps always kind of picked for, for a long time but potentially even over and perhaps arguably even over more illustrious uh, kind of bigger name players that's that says something for him and you know the fact that he was always a regular under Pochettino speaks for his uh, you know kind of uh, what he bought maybe a, a, as on top of his technical ability but as a kind of a, a leader and someone that could was tactically quite smart and 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 carried out the manager's blueprint and and so on so I think you know, as much as been made of kind of signing exciting youngsters, I think you do need to complement those with with those guys that have been there, done it, got the t-shirt, and and Musa Sissoko is certainly one of those. So those are different, very different player to Will Hughes, and I don't think he's going to kind of play that role, is he? He's he. What he's role? What role did he play in that game against? Well, look, I think he, you know, he's a he's he's kind of that box to box type, isn't he? He's someone that's going to you know, he's got the the legs and whatnot to, to to drive the ball forward or you know he will be uh, back in his own penalty area on the edge of his own penalty area trying to break up play and, and so on and so forth as well so um, as I say I think he's kind of changed as a player he used to be certainly in my mind to my mind at least a lot more of an attacking kind of outlet but I think that kind of uh, you know ability to break up play but also get forward as well is going to be quite useful and probably you know in 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 a comparison sense, maybe a little bit closer to Nathaniel Chalabar in terms of the role he's going to um, perform for okay. Watford. So I think, and I think for the reported fee as well, for all the reasons outlined, it seems like quite a quite a smart little pickup from us. I think what really stood out for me was the the, the way that they he deployed Sar on one side and Dennis on the other side, and and Dennis's pace. It, I mean, it seemed like um, you know a, a really good move for him, and with with King through the middle, it, it looked very exciting, and uh, I think. They, they sort of really troubled Spurs at times, Jordan. 
Yeah, I thought Dennis was great down the left, actually. Um, as great as he as good as he was against uh, Villa in that central position, I, th- I still think that's a role he can play. I think it was promising to see someone that dangerous from the left. Um, Ken's obviously Ken's obviously done very well um, for us last season. I think he does still offer something, but having that kind of raw, um, well, he's got a, Dennis has a rawness to his game. Where he's not scared to take the player on. He's he's happy to to run at his defender and he's beaten them consistently. I think he completed ninety percent of his dribbles in that game. And he was able to. To, to do really well um, I think having that extra threat on that left hand side it gives Sarah a lot more space it gives him a little bit more, more room and if he had someone in that central position that's able to link the play a little bit more I think I'd love to see Pedro in there um, someone that can drop into that into that deeper position and kind of allow those those wingers to narrow a little bit that could be really dangerous front three and then you have to remember too we've got the likes of Chucho who can, who can contribute and even uh, Josh King in there so I think the forward line is actually looking pretty good he's just finding a way to uh to get that little bit of balance to kind of find them, get them on the ball uh, in, in positions where we could be a little bit more dangerous. Yeah, the whole forward situation this season has been very fresh, hasn't it? Yeah, it's, it's definitely exciting. It's, it's an interesting thing. I mean, you have to change a lot. And we knew going into the season, the personnel in that in that position group was definitely it was definitely a bloated one. Um, we, we, know, we, we knew we had to sort some things out. And Fletcher coming in was an indication that players would be on the move because there's no way we're carrying that many guys going into the season. So... It was a reshaping. I think I'd say I would still say I'm quite confident our forward line is better than it was um, last season. I think there's definitely points where we felt that we were lacking. A lot of players that were in that forward line we didn't feel contributed in the way that we needed them to. The likes of Gray, likes of Dini at times. You know, these are guys of success. These are guys that we didn't really feel that confident on um, in a lot of situations, especially making a jump up to a higher level too. So I think if you're looking at the positional group from from now and then, I, I still I still feel you, you feel pretty confident, you feel feel better about this one than the previous one. But you know, I think credit to the club in, in a lot of ways, they did manage to get those players off and then bring some players in. So that's that's one area I think we've done reasonably well on. Mm. And and uh, I mean, obviously, the biggest loss from from that transfer window is is, is Troy Deeney having uh parted ways after you know 11 seasons with the club it, you know it feels like losing a family member almost jordan because he's been with us for for so long given us so many great moments of of quality and 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 joys and you know i mean no one's ever going to forget that playoff semi final are they but you know he was more than just that one moment he you know he was a player for for a generation and um you know even though i think most people most fans will will, will admit that um you know his time with Watford was coming to an end you know, just because his his ability is is slowly diminishing, it, he still certainly has a lot of talent to give, and and um, it's uh, it's it's nice for him that he's been able to go to to Birmingham, a club that we know he supports, and and to, you know to carry on playing football. But at the same time, uh, you know, it's it's, uh, it's sad that he's that he's no longer with with the Hornets. It is sad. Um, yeah, no, I, I was quite <laughs> I was quite sad about that. It's. It's a weird one because it does feel like you're. It, there is like a there is a feeling of grief to it, isn't there? I think he's been. I kind of said this on Twitter, but I think he's been Troy's been central to so many, so many good memories over such a long period of time. There's a lot of a lot of fans in this. A lot of guys in this fan base grew up. A lot of guys and girls in this fan base grew up with Troy, mm. kind of through that 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 period of their life where they're really getting into football and, you know, ten years it covers a lot of different a lot of different things and. I mean, I personally can think of different stages of my life, and Troy Dini playing for Watford is always kind of around those things, you know. Um, even down to the fact of just going to 
over the, over his career, going to the vast majority of the games that he played, you kind of almost I don't know when you go into these games, not you're not interacting with the players, but you they, you become almost used to them being there, and you almost feel like you know them in some strange way, like it's a, it's just part of the process of going to the games. You kind of get attached to these to these players, and when someone's at your club for ten plus years uh, and had the impact that Troy has, it's all it's it's tough to see him go, and it feels it feels very strange actually. Um, even though I think it was right, and I think there's definitely an argument for it, it could have happened sooner. Um, it, it's still it's still a, a very strange change. I mean, I remember him making his debut, and it doesn't seem that long ago. The fact that it's 11 years is crazy. Um, I was a, like, a teenager at the time, but at Norwich away, and it was a... You just don't know at the time it's going to be such a big thing, really, do you? And it's it's just a strange place to be at now, where after all that time, he's he's finally moved on, and I'm pleased it's Birmingham. I think it's a good fit for him, and I, I hope that kind of change is quite positive. But... Um, from the perspective of us as, as fans, it's uh, it's just a weird one. How about you? How did you feel when you saw that? Yeah, gutted. Uh, and you know, I, like I said, I was in a bit of a, a a vortex of not having any any internet at all. I had no idea what was going on. So as soon as as soon as I I, I got that back and I was looking for my phone, I was almost I almost thought it was a joke. I was like, no, what? Dini's gone. What are you talking about? But it was it was it was true. It mm. was. It was real, and I, um, I couldn't believe it. I didn't expect it. I didn't expect it this season. I think I, I certainly expected it at some point, but I, I didn't think it would happen this season. I guess because he was still there, still training, still around the team. Um, you know, I, I just didn't think it was going to happen. But um, when it did, it was, it was very, it was, it was upsetting. It was upsetting. It was like, um, I don't know, it was like a, a family member moving away or, or, or something, and w- without really preparing you about I think it yeah. was I think it was the lack of preparation that, that got me really so um, I think it's right because uh, although I, I believe he could have still done something this season it would have been in a bit part role um, sort of coming on to help shore up or um, or see out wins rather than being instrumental in, in getting them um, mm. and I think if I put myself into his shoes I want to play as much football as I can and you know, if I've got the chance to go and play for the club I've supported my whole life, then I think it certainly fits. So, you know, I, I wish Things... him the best of luck and, and um, hopefully he's going to be around Vicarage Road once he retires to um, to play some kind of ambassador ambassador role, which, you know, I think would suit him. Yeah, definitely. Look, I've been, and I, I tweeted this at the time, I've been as critical as anyone else of Troy Deeney down the years and probably some of it has been, or almost certainly some of it hasn't been fair or justified. Um, you know, we we ne- as we've discussed before, I think on this pod, you never fully know what's going on, do you, behind the scenes? Uh, and I think this caught everybody on the hop. Rather, um, mm. I think we were all kind of settling in for a season of him being perhaps not um, as much of a regular on the pitch as as we're used to. And I think we were fine with that. And I think we discussed, mm. you know, the fact that he could be very good at what he does. Uh, off the field and very good at what he does on the field and and still play you know fewer minutes so the kind of how quickly it all kind of came about and what have you was a bit of a surprise but I think it was handled pretty well and and so it should be for for a guy that's given as much as he has to the football club down the years um, you don't see that kind of loyalty uh, very often in football nowadays and you know I'm not saying it, it was one way you know it was two way obviously the club kind of stood by him all those years ago but 
and, and you know, and in, in, in kind of the latter part of his Watford career paid him very well, I'm sure. Um, but you know, it's it would have been easy, I think, to have to have walked away from Watford, little old Watford, and and gone to you know Leicester when he had the chance. And I'm sure there are other opportunities that we we never knew about where he could have earned you know considerable amount of money and probably banked the club a considerable amount of money but you know he he rightly goes down as a, a Watford legend a, a modern day icon and and someone who really just deserves all the plaudits that have that have gone his way um over the last whatever it's been week or so since he departed the football club and I'm sure there'll be a proper send-off at some point you know back at a, a packed Vicarage Road which again he'll be richly deserving of because over the last 11 years I don't think there's you know anyone that comes close to the contribution that he's made to Watford Football Club certainly in a playing capacity obviously the Pozzo family have, have done great things for us but as a player he's been the, the one constant hasn't he in a, in a period of you know big churn I think that's the thing as well that probably been overlooked is you know how much of a, a role he's had to play in a, in a constantly evolving very cosmopolitan changing room that he's been the one that said you know, this is how we do it at Watford. Set the standards. Um, you know, brought in and helped integrate new players, new signings, and so on and so forth. And and really being that kind of conduit to the fans. So, you know, his role goes far beyond the goals he scored and the assists he's laid on, and and so on. He's been he's been a talisman in every sense, and you you can't take any of that away from him. Mm. Over a decade with one club, not many. Uh... Not many players do that these days, do they? It's a, it's a, it's a real testament to the man that uh, you know he sort of stuck around in the hard times and 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 reaped the benefits when um, when the good times were going. Do you have any uh, any really great memories of of Troy Deeney? Any, any any standout games? Perhaps perhaps ones that not everyone would always go for as well. So maybe, yeah, I don't I don't want to give the kind of boring answers here or not boring, mm. but you know that there are so many well uh, established, brilliant Deeney moments, aren't there? What I will say, and I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast before, is I actually. I didn't go to the Deeney game. I know it's um, one of the. It's the sort of game that everyone was there, right? The playoff like the semi. That's it. The official attendance might have been nineteen or twenty thousand, but anecdotally, four hundred thousand people were there. But I definitely wasn't one of them <laughs> because I went to the first leg. I was living in Sunderland at the time, and I went to the first leg, and I thought, "Oh my god, no chance. We won't win this," because I didn't think we were very good at the King Power. So I thought, "I'm not travelling down to Watford," which is, you know, terrible on my part. I got what I deserved, really. Um, and and lo and behold, but so obviously that was fantastic. But um, do you know what? It's just proving me wrong because I, when uh, when the, the 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 news was announced, my one of my good mates Chris texted me and said, you know, da, 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 we're just chatting about him. And he said, not bad for an anti-footballer, which is something I forgot that I wrote about Troy Deeney towards the kind of probably midway latter stage of that. Um, 11-12 season he was out of contracts and at the time I was writing for a website called Vital Watford and I was doing a, a kind of feature each day on the guys who were out of contracts at the end of the season and I said oh he's an anti-footballer you know he can barely play football get rid this was before obviously the the criminal case and what have you that was brought against him I said just you know get rid we just you know he's he tries hard he he's gives his all he's a you know committed individual but it just lacks any football ability. And, you know, the evolution 
that he has undergone in that time and you know he's been several different types of striker he's you know arguably not even been a striker at times because that relationship with Odia Nogalo for example he dropped off um, and played almost as the kind of the number 10 link man between the midfield and attack at times to, to let Agalo do what he did best uh, which was goal hang and um, you know he's been different types of number nine he's been really explosive he's been the kind of target man he's done so many different roles to the team he's always been almost always almost always been what the team needed him to be and I think just you know that journey, that evolution he's been on would probably be the, the standout thing for me because I get a lot of things wrong, Matt. I've been on doing this podcast with you for over a year now. <laughs> you know that. I get a lot of things wrong. Um, but I think that's one I got spectacularly wrong. You know, he, he hit heights I never thought he could do. He could reach even in my kind of wildest dreams so I think that's one that and that and that run that particularly he went on towards the end of the season where I think he got you know eight nine ten goals between kind of February March time it was after Marvin Sordell left wasn't it where he really kicked on and, mm. and, and finished the season I think with double figures actually which he'd never looked like doing under well any Watford manager up to that point um, particularly Sean Dyche's uh, team where he was kind of you know toiling away so I think that that's one of them. I'm just trying to think if there are any other any specific goals off the top of my head that won't necessarily get a mention. I don't know about goals, um, but for me there was this fantastic performance in this uh, Watford win back under uh, Zola. It was um, it was Watford six, Bournemouth one, uh, yes. and and Dini got himself got a hat trick in that game. But um, for many no, reasons, for many reasons, it was a very memorable game. Uh, and looking back, we didn't have that kind of relationship with Bournemouth that we do now. But uh, it makes me smile even more now that I know that it was Bournemouth that we that we that we thrashed then. Um, and, and I think at the time that that took us up to top spot. I think. Um, yeah. And it was quite a, a pivotal moment in that season. And um, you know, it was kind of a, a what could have been season in the end, wasn't it? But. Um, you know, I think that was one of the the, the best games that uh, that I've seen Dini Dini play, uh, and probably wouldn't always be one that everyone would would pick. But um, no, that's a very um, good shout as well because for however long prior to that, we hadn't had a player score a hat trick, had we? Which was which was great. I think it was Michael Chopra the first, sorry, first last player prior to Dini in that game to score a hat trick, which just oh really, that's good knowledge. Yeah, well, I read it somewhere. Oh. I think, I, do you know, I think it was Anthony Matthews' piece on the Watford Observer. Uh, but yeah, it's absolutely bonkers that that would be such a, what was that, 2003, Michael Chopper, and then Deeney, that must be about 2014, you know, 11 years, if that's correct, is just nuts. So, no, he was, he, get, he put in a lot of kind of, again, differing performances, performances where he was the main man and scored the goals, performances where he battled away for the team or for those around him and you can't you can you you will always go back to that Leicester game but I think there have been so many performances that will get overlooked in uh, in the history of Troy Deeney at Watford so fair play to him things just weren't quite right were they for a, a couple of years with Troy here um, I think we kind of all started to feel like shift towards like a little bit of negativity around him and I think especially last season even the season before but last season too things got quite bitter from the fan base, I'd say. Yeah, exactly. I think, and I think, 
And I think if we're going to be, you know, if we're going to be completely honest with ourselves and completely honest with the listeners, you know, there have been moments where perhaps Troy Deeney's significance to the club and uh, the way he has been so candid haven't always been in the best interests of Watford Football Club. And I would, I would never say, I would never accuse him of doing that intentionally but that you know that cojones comment was obviously brilliant at the time we'll always look back on it but it it definitely kind of put a target on his back mm. and it that he missed a penalty didn't he in the next game at the yeah. end was possibly at nil nil or a point in the game where we could have got something and you just thought oh god that's so inevitable isn't it after him kind of running his mouth particularly for someone who's so good on pens uh, throughout his Watford career. So there have been kind of moments where you just think, oh, he shouldn't have done that, or I wish he hadn't said that, or or whatever. But um, I think it probably speaks volumes for his, you know, enduring pa- position of power at Watford, that that was the case, that he was so often better value and, and had more significance and, and wouldn't toe the party line necessarily where where head coaches would. So... You know, there are two sides to that coin, but I'm certainly not going to sit here as someone who's been a journalist in the past and reported on the club in the past and admonish him for that and pretend that it wasn't, you know, beneficial to me because in the publications I work for, because it 100% was. And I think lots of people are, are, are very pleased for him as well that he's managed to get that move to Birmingham, the club that he has always supported. He's got a tattoo of the of the club crest on his, on his leg. And, you know, he, it's where he's from. He, he loves that area and... It feels the right time for him now in in the latter stages of his career to go and you know play for the club that that you know that he's always he's always supported. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's. I think as a player, you you know you want that um, opportunity to kind of get your exit and and what have you on your terms. And I'm sure we'll never know the kind of ins and outs of his Watford departure. And in fact, actually, this morning, only this morning, I was listening to the podcast he did with Ben Foster on YouTube and he actually said which was quite interesting I don't know if this has been picked up widely or what have you but I hadn't seen this elsewhere he said that he went into a meeting with the club about a week before the transfer window ended thinking he was going to get a new contract and you know lo and behold kind of has left the club been paid up and and left the club so um, you know, if maybe that aspect wasn't what he'd planned for and expected, um, evidently going to Birmingham City was. And it sounds like, you know, from what he said, and you obviously take it with a bit of a pinch of salt, but he had offers to go elsewhere. He said he had offers to go abroad and earn more money. And I read a BBC interview with him where he said, you know, this is the lowest contract I've had since um, I first came to Watford. And, you know, this is a, this is a romantic decision, isn't it? And for him to have that opportunity is, is great, and I just I just hope for his sake that it works out like it uh, you know like it could do and like it uh, hopefully will do because you know he's had a, a tough kind of year or so hasn't he with the um, relegation and whatnot and you know captaining that team and then not really being as involved as he would have liked last season and then had a lot of people question him and then you know not really getting his his kind of proper farewell now and this sudden kind of very sudden surprise departure so I hope that works out for him there's evidently still a very good player in there but um you know it's gonna be it's gonna be tough as as we saw last season you know he he looked at a player that was you know off the kind of championship pace at times last season so I, I hope for his sake it, it all pans out at St Andrews I think it's important too that we we I think Troy's always going to have that status but I think it's important that 
we didn't let things drag on too long. I think another year of this, and it could have it just soured things a little bit too yeah. much. And I think yeah. we wanted to be, we wanted to end on a, as good a note of pos- as possible. Another year, like a year later, a year, a year down the road, Troy's thirty four. You know, then he's looking for a new club. I think right now, the fact that Birmingham were available, it's, it, it suits us and it suits him. Um, and that, I think that's the honestly, if you had to, if you had to write this, how this story went for Troy, that would be the that would be the ending point. So I'm glad he made it there. Mm. Well, alongside Troy, uh, several other players uh, left, uh, perhaps not with the same kind of legend status that uh, that Troy will be leaving with. Um, Andre Gray, it felt like a, a bit of a breath of fresh air when that uh, that confirmation was 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 done that he's got to be on a season long loan to QPR. Although um, probably uh, not all of his wages being paid by QPR. In fact, I, I, I'm not sure uh, where, where, where I saw this, but the vast amount is still being paid by. By Watford, I believe, but um, it, it, it's good for both parties that um, that he's able to get football elsewhere, and that the, the squad um, doesn't doesn't need to have him uh, around at the minute. Yeah, absolutely. I think I read somewhere, or someone told me, we you know we are still paying the bulk of his wages. We've only got a little bit off, but to be honest with you, it's just there's no point in him being here, is there? It's quite apparent that he was, you know, a passenger for a lot of the championship season. He was going to be even more than a. I don't even know what a passenger left on the curb side, I guess, um, in the Premier League. So you know, he's with the under twenty threes. He's it, his time here was just done, wasn't it? it was, the championship was one kind of last throw of the dice for him. And as I tweeted when he left, he, until a year or so ago, I would have felt very sorry for him. It wasn't his fault that it cost eighteen million, eighteen and a half million. Sorry to get him to the club. It wasn't his fault that it was an ill-conceived signing. It wasn't his fault that we never really played to his strengths or you know in, in terms of style or system or anything and you know I think where he lost me and probably a lot of what for fans during the pandemic was the repeated um, kind of breaking of yes. the, the lockdown yes. rules and I Absolutely. think at that point although the two things have ultimately nothing to do with one another um, you know it, it's it's very hard to have sympathy for him um, so you know on a human level I hope he goes and, and does well at QPR, but you know, but on the basis of last season, it's very hard to believe that he's going to suddenly kind of turn it back on and, and the goals will flow. Yeah, I think you know, I think getting him out the door and then getting a percentage even off his wages off the book was, in, was off the books was important, and it wasn't an easy an easy deal to facilitate. Really, I think we've been looking to try and move him on for the majority of the window, and it wasn't something that came about till quite late. Um, so hopefully, it's it's somewhere that suits him at QPR. It probably is actually. Um, I don't think it's a bad move for him at all, and I think if. Gray can be productive to to an extent, uh, and I think if he's going to do that, it's going to be at a team like QPR. Maybe there are teams that I think might have suited them a little bit more, but you know we have to find a deal that can facilitate. We can actually facilitate and get done, and and that seems to be one that that moves ahead quite quickly once there was uh, once there was talks between all three parties. So I, I'm pleased for him, and uh, it's obviously a good move for the club too. In addition, Isaac's success, um, another who um, didn't quite manage to. to to do it here at Vicarage Road has been moved on as well. Uh, it's gone back to Udinese uh, with our best mm. wishes, but I don't think he'll be too much of a loss. But three players that I think um, will be uh, a loss, at least for members of the, of the Watford Watford fan base, will be Will Hughes, Nathaniel Chalabar and Domingos Quina, all who have gone out. Domingos Quina uh, on a loan basis at the moment, but... Um, Certainly, um, there is an option for for Fulham to make that permanent. Did, did he sign a new contract then? Go out and loan? Was that reported? He did. Yes, I think that was the club protecting their asset. It's interesting though, because you protect it, but also you include the, the 
you include the uh, option to purchase too. Well, that's, which is that, that, that was the point that made me think, well, I'm, I think they're probably trying to get as much as they can at the end of that spell rather yeah. than... If, if they hadn't included that, then I, I'd have been hopeful that it would be coming back to, um, you know, to play again once he's sort of... I don't, know, I, I don't know what else he has to prove, to be honest. I think that he's a great player and that he has an opportunity... Uh, had he been given it to play in the Premier League, and he, and he would have been fine for us. No, but, uh... you never quite know with Watford, do you? More than any other club, I, or more than a lot of clubs, I always feel like if you if you're sent out on loan because uh, the managers change quite regularly, you've got half a chance when you come back. But equally, the players change so kind of regularly, routinely that by the time you've come back, everything might have changed as well, and there's still no room in the squad for you I think as far as his contract's concerned they, they, they had a 12 month option so they, they took that up to kind of add an extra year to his contract and protect it but I would I would reasonably assume that if if Chisco Munoz is, is here in 12 months time and, and I hope he is that his situation uh, isn't going to change he will be still out of favour but we'll just be able to say well you know he's got another two years in his contract or whatever it will be at that stage so that that's going to cost you X million for them to get that one done I, I must admit I am pretty sad that he and Chalabar have left you, as for Keener I think along with Ben Wilmot he's one of the great kind of shames of the, the, the championship season you know I thought that those would be the two of the guys that would really benefit from a season in the championship players moving on and so on and although they both played early on it's just not worked out for either of them has it and I'd be very surprised if um if Keener comes back and plays regularly at any point, I think he's kind of Watford. The die is cast on his Watford career, and, and that's a shame because in glimpses in cup games, and I remember the Cardiff game at home under Javi Gracia when he scored a wonderful goal, you know, he looked like such a good player, just such such ease, I always thought, with the ball at his feet, you know, drop a shoulder, beat a man, um, you know, wriggle in and out of difficult areas, just generally one of those players that just looked so comfortable taking the ball uh, on the half turn and, and, and progressing it and doing something with it. And it's just not worked out really, has it? He's never mm. been able to put in a run of consistent performances. And I wonder with him if it's a, a case of almost being too versatile and not having a, a really defined position. He's kind of played, you know, a lot of different roles for Watford without staking his claim for one of them being his, uh, his own. So it's a shame, but you know, if they're not going to play here, then you want them to go and get football elsewhere. So there we are. I think too the fact that we don't have any sort. It'd be one thing if we had someone occupying that that position. I know he's a central midfielder, but he's definitely he can also play wide, and he's also someone that can contribute a little bit further up the pitch to what we have now. He's more of a creative player than what we have. So I think it's a little bit strange not to have him included in any capacity. And from what I understand, he was willing to. He wanted to be part of the team and wanted to try and, and trying to find a spot in the team that was his primary goal. So. Mm. Clearly, we didn't want that, or you know, certain certain kind of people within the club didn't want that. So it is a little bit disappointing, but um, I'm pleased for him that he's gone gone to a, a team that he's going to play some football, and I think he'll be quite good for Fulham. And Fulham obviously doing really really well, great start. So I'm hoping he's someone that can be part of that kind of promotion push for them. And who knows? I'm, I'm not sure what the purchase option is. It could be dependent on some some different things. It might be promotion dependent. Who knows? But um, yeah, no, I'm I'm pleased for him at least that he's uh, he's gone somewhere. I think a domestic loan's good too for him. Mm. The Queen and Zinchenko ones are ones that um, really yeah. boggle me. But then there we go. Yeah. But Queen has gone to uh, to join Chalaba, who uh, has also signed for Fulham on a permanent basis. And um, 
disappointing because I think that he never really hit the highs when he was with us in his uh, second period and we we knew we knew the talent he had but it seemed as though perhaps he'd never really fully recovered after the injury that he had I mean he had a decent season last year but um, yeah a decent second half he grew into the season he kind of grew into playing a little bit further up I don't think he'd have been a massive contributor here um, yeah I mean Chalaba's one because we've all kind of invested a lot of time into Chalaba we had that phase in the first for his first spell you know 17 year old kid and he, he was really really good for us and obviously coming back it's been a very mixed bag and there's been a lot of potentials lots of ifs with him um, maybe it's a little bit of extra kind of disappointment because he did kind of seem like he was kind of getting into his own a little bit towards the end of the season uh, last year um, but you know it's I think it's a good move for him and ultimately I don't think it's the the worst thing for us I think there are the other ways we can go which will suit the club better and it's a shame because we all wanted we all wanted Chalaba to succeed but it just didn't pan out the way we all hoped I think Chalaba obviously so many great memories of that that first stint and the excitement at getting him back but you know he's been kind of very unlucky for large parts of his time at Watford obviously with the injury and then kind of the the calibre of players that have come in the guys that have come in around him that he's just either never played in his natural position or never got a run and and just not really you know built on some of the performances we've seen however uh he was very good for a you know a chunk of the run in scored some important goals particularly while he was captain i think we discussed you know at the time he did very well and kind of seemed to really have a bit more swagger and 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 kind of um confidence about him when he was was leading the team as well um, but but ultimately, you know, he's, he's not quite lived up to that first spell, has he, when he was on loan here as a teenager? And Will Hughes, of course, is a big loss as well. He's moved on to Crystal Palace. Um, yep. So even more of a, a kick in the teeth, that one, because not many Watford fans are fond of the Palace. But uh, mm. it, it's, it's um, oh, I don't know, the thing that everyone keeps mentioning is that it feels more like a sideways move for him. And, you know, we're not privy to the details of the deal, but... Knowing what Palace can afford, it doesn't feel as though he would he would have been offered much more than he was offered at Watford. So I I don't I'm I'm, I'm struggling to understand why he's made that decision. But you know himself and well, his, his agent Vanazza have decided that that was the right move, and and ultimately Watford had to sanction it because with only one year left on his deal, they had to try and get whatever they could. Yeah, I mean, look, there's a couple of things to this one. I think I've seen a lot of. A lot of criticism, a lot of negative ne- negativity surrounding Will Hughes' decision to leave. But, like, I mean, firstly, we put ourselves in a situation of, of being in that kind of one year left in the contract by getting relegated. You know, that's a that that doesn't help the situation because obviously he's not going to re-sign whilst in the championship. And when he does come back up, he's got that year left, and it kind of opens him up a little bit more to looking elsewhere. Um, he knows that a move could be facilitated a little bit easier by clubs, and it gives him that option out. Um, the deal that was talked about that was offered to him sounded from what we heard good obviously there's so many factors to a deal that that play in that there's so many aspects that play into a deal being good or bad for a player that we don't have access to mm. we're just getting some base salary and year information which is honestly a relatively small part of the deals nowadays um, and we heard that there was a relegation we, clause as well that would be inserted yeah exactly and that's you know that's something that I think is reasonable if you're going to sign if you're going to sign contracts or extend players that have been at your club and for a while and stuck through your championship campaign I think it's the, the least you can do is let them know that should you go down again there's a way out um, 
but you know the move to Palace could be considered sideways. I think that's I think that's arguably a little bit unfair against Palace. I think Palace have you know they've been in the league for a, for a longer period than we have. They've shown that even though there've been some some ups and downs, they've definitely flirted with relegation a couple of times. I think I could understand a player feeling more confident in the project that's going on at Palace than what's going on at Watford. That's just the reality of the situation. I know we don't like to think that as Watford fans, but okay. also we don't know exactly what we don't know exactly what Hughes' feelings about being at the club were. We don't know what he feels like on a day-to-day basis around the training ground. Does he feel things are positive? Does he like the atmosphere there? It seems like he has at some point, but does he now? We don't. We don't know. Um, so if there is a, if there is an element of sideways move, I think we have to ask ourselves the question: Why would he decide to do that? Uh, I don't think he's being necessarily greedy with the money. As you say, I wouldn't expect that his deal would be massively more lucrative at, at Palace than it is at Watford and he's still playing the same competitions so you know there's something there. there there's something there that he wasn't happy with clearly um, and he made the move so I think we've got to we've got to be a little bit tempered when it comes to criticising Will himself because we really do not know his reasons and for the time that he was at the club I always felt like he gave 100% and he was a he was a great player for that that kind of that spell that he was here for and uh, he'll be missed. Well, indeed. But uh, he's been replaced pretty quickly. Um, not a like-for-like replacement, but we, we touched on him earlier. Musa Sissoko has, uh, has joined the club. And um, we, we won't go into too much this because we did talk about him earlier. But, a, a, you know, a really great talent that Watford have managed to, uh, to, to bring into their team here. Yeah, I think it's a nice, um, relatively short-term fix. We've done quite well, I'd say, with the, the short-term fixes in terms of Sissoko and Kuchka. Um yeah, I think we've, we've done a decent job so far from what we can see of rectifying that midfield in some capacity. I think we're still missing a little bit of balance in terms of allowing us to, to kind of change shape a little bit or try a few different things. Um, but the fact we've brought in you know, three or four good midfielders there, I think we've done pretty well considering that we were kind of on the verge or on the balance of not knowing who our midfield was going to be up until very late in the season. There was still, obviously as time went on, it felt like things were kind of leaning towards Will and Chalaba leaving. But there was always that possibility that Will could resign, and you know we'd be in that position. We have a few too many players, so the fact that we were able to bring these kind of shorter term deals in was was a good, good kind of covering of bases. I think a weaker midfield for you than the one that contained Kapoor and Decore? Yeah, I think that's probably the best midfield tandem we've had in a long time. Um, on individuals, I'd say in terms of depth, I'd say the depth of midfield is better now. Um, I, I feel more, I feel more com- comfortable, and more confident about the players behind them than I probably did in that period of time. Um, but you know, having said that, the Corey and and Kapu played a lot of minutes. They didn't really spend too much time off the field. But I think right now, if you look through that list of midfielders, you kind of look at the, the likes of Loser, who's got signed off. He's he's someone that can develop. He's twenty two years old. He's I've honestly seen a lot of promising things from him, and I think he's one that will come good for her, for us this season. Two fan coming in, Kuchka, you know, all these players. Atibo, I think, is is being quite positive too. Um, and you've got the likes of Cleverly and even even Gosling as well to go along with Sissoko. So. I think as a midfield hole, it, there's some there's some real quality and some depth there. The one aspect is, do we have that? Do we have that creative style player? Do we have someone that can play from a little bit deeper? Maybe two fans that guy, um, but he's not that kind of more forward, advanced number ten sort of player, which we might not play with that often. But it's nice to have someone that can do that. Mm, we saw him uh, in pictures recently, having joined up with the squad again. What what, what does he um, offer us, Jordan? Two fan? Where, where would he? I mean, you 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 a lot sort of suggested there that he might play in that deeper role but um, is that where he's been playing previously? Yeah I mean he's quite reasonably versatile but he, he offers a lot of energy um, he's a good technician he's a good passer of the ball he can he can, part, he can play from deep in the fact that he can his range of passing is good 
Um, he's quite active. He can he can play a little bit further forward too. He'll, he'll definitely move up on the counter attacks, and he can be somewhat of a two way player. I think he's a little bit different to what we have. Um, I, I think I think he's someone that will contribute. And it wouldn't surprise me if he's one that becomes kind of a nailed on starter in that midfield. Um, and I, I think it's a positive move. It's it's a very very kind of team friendly deal, um, and he's a player that can contribute from very early on. I know there's some discussion about his weight. Um, <laughs> coming back into kind of coming over here and maybe there were some issues this weight but look I think he's someone that will be available pretty soon and hopefully and most likely I think will be contributing and with regards to loser what, what, what where do you see him fitting into the side he hasn't really um, played much yet for us but uh, is it is it a, a case of slowly bedding him in or how do you think that Cisco is is is, is viewing him? yeah I think it's slowly bedding him in. I think I think I personally think Cisco is quite aware of the immediacy of his role. Um, I don't think I think this is the problem. When we, I, I'm not. I mean, trying to not kind of fall into this kind of coaching discussion. When it comes to when it comes to looking at these 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 coaches we have, they, there is an incentive to play for now. And someone like Loser, I think he needs a little bit of time. Um, it's, it's a different style he's playing in. Uh, it's a different league, and I think he's one of our most talented midfielders. But he needs that time, and it's a risk for Cisco to give him that time. And he has the likes of Kuchka and Sissoko, and these kind of more experienced midfielders, even Tom Cleverley, they can throw in there. And whilst they may not have some of the qualities that Loser has, you also know a little bit more what you're going to get, what you're going to get from him. Uh, so I'm hoping that Loser gets the opportunity to contribute soon, um, because I do think that he'll enhance that midfield. But in terms of role, I think you'd look at him as someone again that offers a, the way our midfield is made up in general. There's a lot of similarities between the players in in some of their kind of baseline traits, and that's to be energetic, to cover the ground well, to work off the ball, to be able to press, um, have a little bit of technical ability, and just be able to kind of contribute in that that forward area by getting that ball to the wide men nice and early. I think Loser is a little bit more, a little bit more dynamic. I think he can play in some different areas. He can help contribute to, contribute to the attack in a few different ways. And any player that can do that right now, I think, should have some, should should be in contention because there will be times that we need that. So there's an opportunity for, for loser there. Also, he has contributed from wide areas too, um, and that's another possibility for him. Okay, so um, in in addition to to, to Sofa coming in quite late, we also heard of uh, another player who we believe will be signing uh, soon for, for for Watford. That's Yasser Espria, who uh, is another young Colombian. Uh, currently playing with Envigado FC and it's believed that he'll be signing once he turns 18 which is uh, on the November the 19th um, it seems as though that's a, a tried and tested route that uh, the Watford are, are deploying at the minute Jordan going into the, the South America market and, and, and finding uh, finding wonder kids yeah I mean we've obviously had quite a big presence in, in the South American market for a while when it comes to kind of assessing and scouting players and, and just building a portfolio of options and I think what we saw with Jao Pedro and, and kind of what we're seeing now here is, is something we might be might be seeing a little bit more of over the years and especially with the kind of route to England being a little bit cleaner now that's kind of the go-to areas to look in South America in terms of in terms of work permits and visas then you know I think that's we might as well make the most of it and I think deals like this are, are smart by the club and if we can act early and, and get these players tied up then it's a kind of a low-risk experiment which can pay off. I mean, look at Pedro. That's exactly kind of what we wanted. And there's still lots more room for Pedro to grow. But that's the ideal situation. I think that's kind of the, the benchmark now for these sorts of deals. And with a name like Esprit, hopefully he can emulate Festino 
who of course was a was a fantastic player back in the day for Newcastle, and uh, yeah. and and scored quite a few. I hope so, man. Anything close <laughs> to that will be will be pretty positive. Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, very different body shapes, but um, but uh, you know, but with with a name like Espria, hopefully he can uh, he can he can be just as good. Um, okay, then moving on to to the Wolves fixture, and um, after you know, it was quite an impressive um, sort of performance against Spurs, albeit with the defeat. Uh, I think they'll be quite buoyed going into this one, but uh, Wolves, who haven't started that well, have played against some of the the toughest teams in this in this division, and they've only managed to lose uh, by one by one goal against each of them. So they'll be expecting, or at least hoping, that their season starts now against Watford. So they'll certainly be a be tough opposition. But um, Watford can you know maybe go into this one a bit more hopeful than they would have been, having uh, you know played very well against Spurs. Yeah, absolutely. They're in a bit of a kind of transitional period, aren't they? With uh, Nuno leaving and, and Bruno Lago coming in, you know, some some changes over the summer. Obviously, uh, Rui Patricio moved on. Uh, there was obviously a lot, a lot, a lot of speculation about the future of Adama Traore. You know, they brought in obviously a new goalkeeper and a couple of, of players as well. But I think they they still got a little bit of a a thin squad on the whole. Um, so it's been, you know, a, a transitional couple of years, actually, in fairness, to, because the guys that they've brought in in recent times, I'm thinking um, Fabio Silva, uh, Kiana Herver, haven't necessarily hit the ground running. So they've got, they've got, you know, quite a, quite a thin squad, but there is, there is a decent amount of talent there. And with the likes of, Podence and Raul Jimenez back from injury. Pedro Neto, when he comes back as well, you know they've got they've got some decent players to come back into this side. And it wasn't that long ago that they were really, you know, knocking on the door of that top seven. As you say, very tough start this season in terms of the fixtures they've played. I think it's the same old kind of problem with them, though. That you know they are a good side, a solid side, and probably a little too dependent on one or two players for goals and you know Jimenez has obviously been out for a long time fit again now started all three games but kind of integrating him back into into the team gradually you know how effective is he going to be compared to you know beforehand how um, you know it takes a little while to get back to that shot we just talked about Chalabar and his kind of injuries and, and issues Getting over those, I imagine it's it's every bit as, as difficult for someone like uh, like Raúl Jiménez who's been through what he's been through. So, I think they're a decent side. I think they will will come good, but uh, you know, they like us will be looking at this game and thinking, right, we gotta, you know, we gotta be uh, we gotta be trying to get something out of this. I think it's also worth noting as well in terms of kind of the 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 stats. They've had the the third most shots this season. They're sixth for. Um, for shots on target as well, and their uh, their kind of underlying data, they're, they're fourth for expected goals. We're we're nineteenth, so you know they get to score, and we've scored uh, scored three on the opening day. So it's you know it's it's early days. It's too early to be drawing conclusions, uh, big sweeping conclusions. I think, and I think I'm going to draw one now. But I think they're a better side than their position in the table suggests. So it's it's not going to be an easy game. Yeah, it's, it's. I think it's a kind of a, a game for both. I mean, you know, we know how these Premier League fixtures work. 
you, you get to teams around you or kind of in that pack around you and these are the must-win games there's more pressure on the individual matches because of that um, and it'll be interesting to see it's hard to assess Wolves too much based on their opening opposition but I'd say they definitely look a little bit disjointed at times um, if, if you were Wolves you'd probably be hoping they'd look to kind of utilise some of that some of that kind of approach that Brighton had towards us in regards to the fact that both both teams Brighton and Wolves are playing with that three at the back system and there are ways to, to force us into areas we don't want to play and they've got the width they've got that pace and obviously the power of the likes of Traore uh, who's been playing off that left wing we've always been playing like a 3-4-3 three, three. system which which can be really devastating to the wide areas especially when you have the likes of Cathcart potentially starting right back when you're playing that 3-4-3 three, three, you have that that option to kind of push those full backs up by the wing backs up a little bit higher allow them to stay wide and that, that wide forward in front of them is able to be even more advanced someone like Traore could be on Cathcart for 90 minutes quite comfortably um, and still be playing within quite a disciplined shape that suits them on and off the ball so that does scare me um, I think I'd much rather see Ngakia in there even if you're concerned about Ngakia kind of contributing in forward areas or, or progressing the ball someone to lock down Adama as much as possible is what I'd be looking at kind of contain him and then uh, and then yeah I mean it, it'll be an interesting matchup everywhere else mm. I do think that we can I do think that we do have the players to disrupt and control that midfield and I think if you do that that's a way to beat Wolves um, Neves and Matinho have been occupying that, that kind of space in the central areas for a couple of years now uh, but having just a two of them in there, I would say they can be a little bit exposed. So, if you can get a kind of a a foothold in that in that position, allow us to to be a little bit more dominant, then it, it would definitely suit us. The, the the question really for us is how are we going to consistently play in games where we're not given the we're not kind of well sorry how are we going to play in those games where we are allowed a little bit more possession? It's same kind of thing we had under Pearson too. You set up to be primarily counter attacking. If you're in games where you have the ball, then then how do you find routes towards goal? How do you find opportunities to attack? Because I think Wolves coming to Watford, I won't be surprised they sit a little bit deeper and, and play a little bit more conservative and try and use that that pace and power they have in wide positions to hurt us. And, you know, it's, it's a similar sort of approach that we have. So how do you counter that? Uh, and that's kind of the real question for me because we've had to ask some questions here of Cisco and his his approach in games, in-game adjustments and substitutions or, you know, even just approach in the beginning. Um, so this is another opportunity now where we have to see what can you do from a coaching perspective to counter a team that's coming to you and looking to play in the same way. Interesting that they might be without Jimenez um, and Watford themselves might be without uh, Sirialta because, of course, of the uh, well. The, can you explain it to me, Jordan? Because I'm not I'm not exactly sure what what the what the story is. I didn't even know that international clubs had had the uh, had the power to, um, to, uh, to 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 stop their players from from featuring. Yeah, so effectively, I think it's a one it's a one game ban for not not showing up and being part of the the national team's uh, squad. So it seems that it's not just Serialta that's suffering this. There are a couple of other players actually. I forget now, off the top of my head, who it was. But it it does bring us back to the the kind of transfer window talk and the position group that we didn't feel, or a lot of people didn't feel, was addressed properly. Uh, and that's the centre back group. We don't have the depth there. We had Matty Pollock who's going out on loan, semi expected. Um, and we're kind of under under reinforced in that position. We don't look strong in terms of our depth. There's a, as I said earlier on too, there's an opportunity, there's a possibility that because of Sirialta's absence, all three centre backs that are available will be on the pitch, um, and that's not a good look for this early in the season. We've we, this is also a position group. We've carried large numbers of centre backs over the years. I know we've played in a lot of three at the back systems, so we've had maybe too many at times. But this is definitely the lightest we've been. 
And in terms of the players that we do have, it's not so much about quality. I mean, I think we could do better in some areas, but I think it's more for me the amount of games, the amount of minutes these players have missed. I know, ironically, Syriata's been the most consistently available over the last season. Mm-hmm. But you look at Cathcart, you look at Cabaselli, you look at Truce de Kong, these are guys that have consistent soft tissue uh, injuries, which, especially at Cathcart's age, we I know that he's going to miss six, seven, eight, nine, ten games, groin injury, hip injury, um, you know, minor one, two, three, three-game spells that he'll be missing, calf injury. These are things that he has. We know this from Craig. It's not new to his career. It's been something that's happened throughout his career when he's had to play a lot of minutes, which is, you know, it's fine. It's to be expected. You have to have these guys waiting in the wings, though, that can come in and play. Um, Truce to Kong has had his own injury concerns, and same with Cabaselli. He's had a few that have, have been a little longer term. It's impossible to me. There's not there's not a chance in my mind. You don't go through the season without one of these guys picking up a, an injury, which gives them a couple of months on the sideline. And with cup competitions that we're potentially in, um, all these all this accumulation of minutes, I, I just think it's I think it's suicidal to go into a into a season with just the four. Even if you have someone that's a little bit less experienced, a little bit more of a kind of a wild card at centre back, you need someone I think to really kind of cover your bases and. We've taken some gambles before at certain positions. I know at left back we've taken some gambles, and last season we had Just Massner fit for a while, or going into the season with Just Massner and no real left back backup until Lazar arrived. So we are obviously willing to take some risks, and with the financial situation the way it is, maybe that was the position we had to sacrifice to allow us to bring in some of the players, which that's a balancing act we're not quite privy to. We don't know exactly the kind of ins and outs there, but the reality is, from looking at a squad building perspective, we are light there. Maybe you can't look at alternate options. We've talked about ourselves, Massena playing centre-back. We don't have no idea if that's something that Cisco sees as viable. There are other players in that team. I believe Kuchka's played at centre-back before. But, you know, we're talking about being in the Premier League. We're a Premier League team. We've got to be a little bit more... I said we've got to be a little, little bit more advanced than that and be a little bit more precautious, uh, have a little prepared. bit more precaution going into it. Yeah, it's exactly prepared. Finding ways to, 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 to be prepared going into the season... Uh, beforehand rather than being reactive to these sorts of situations because regardless if it's injury or not three games in we're missing a centre back and we've now got to kind of, kind of adjust and find a way to play if you look at the under 23s um, you know Andy Yanyeva could potentially be drafted in but there's, there's not really a lot a lot there to um, you know, you'd really be able to sort of put your hat on would you I mean uh, I think maybe the January transfer window would be somewhere that They'd have to look at, or, or, or maybe um, see who else is available on a, on a free transfer to come in at some point. But just just yeah. going through this is kind of touching off the position off the uh, transfer window stuff now. But if we just go through the positional groups, just literally goal, defense, midfield, attack. What would your grading be? It's like what would your what would your overall grade just from you know A to F? What would you be thinking if you look at the goalkeepers? What grade are you giving that? Uh, I'm giving the goalkeeping department a B. Um, yeah, I think that. Um, Daniel Backman possibly we're looking at an A, but I think he he probably needs a, a decent season in the um, in the Premier League to sort of up his ranking. But I mean, it's, it's, you know, I would say you know Daniel Backman is is close to being you know um, a, an A rated goalkeeper. I think Ben Foster is on the decline as well. So that B for me. I don't know what what, what would you give for the goalkeeping department? I'd say probably a B plus. B+. I like. Yeah. Um... I like Backman. I think he's good. He's obviously got a couple. I mean, I think some of the errors he's he made. He didn't have a great over... game against Spurs, did he? No, he. Well, although saying that, he the mistake wasn't good. The mistake was bad. But apart from that, he was he was still pretty decent. I think he came and claimed the ball quite well, and 
he made a few good saves as well, so I'm not going to be too, too harsh on him. There was there's, one great there, reaction gonna... save, wasn't there, from, from Harry Kane? That he there was, to... yeah. So, I mean, there was, and these, yeah. these things get forgotten, don't they? But I think for me, what elevates that positional group as a whole, I think the backup's good. Um, a lot of teams... A lot of teams better than Watford have worse backup goalkeepers than Ben Foster. So I think for me that elevates it to a, to a B. If we're talking about the defence, I think we should probably split it to full backs and centre backs actually. So what would you give this? What would your centre back rating be? I mean, I think it's quite clear based on the previous conversation. Centre back rating. Well, yeah, I I also agree it's our weakest area. I would say a C personally. Yeah, I'd say a C. I think C is fair. I think you can you can say a C based on the the quality of centre back, but. Maybe I think that's maybe a little bit harsh. We may be looking at like a, a C plus B if we're just talking about quality. But the fact we're missing, we, we don't feel like we've got the numbers there. You're looking at positional group as a whole. I think C is probably C to C minus is probably where I'm looking at. And then uh, fullbacks. Let's see. I mean, I I rate Ngakia. Um, I I really rate Feminia or Feminia, however you like to say. Um, I think Messina is is decent. Um, and Rose has potential to get back to where he was. I mean, obviously, he has been a, a quality international, you know, of the past. So I would say a B, but um, yeah. but maybe I'm maybe I'm pushing that a bit. Or what do you think? I think I'm probably... I think it's it's floated, but I think me for me, it's dependent on, on a lot of aspects we don't really know in terms of... In our mind, I think a lot of people would like to think that Kiko and Rose would be a good club, a good pairing at fullback for us, but not really knowing how available they're going to be or how likely they are to play. I think it could be anywhere between a C plus and a B minus for me. I'm kind of floating between the C and the B, so I'm, I'm struggling. If I had to, if I had to be, if I was forced into making a decision right now, I'm probably saying a C plus. Mm. I think the D- Danny Rose can he can he play higher up than Messina? I mean, he could. Yeah, he could. He can play. He's he can contribute a little bit more going so forwards. I think it changes I think quite a bit if you if you if you're saying wing back compared to full back. Yeah, I mean, I'll, we'll we'll just. Yeah, I mean, it does. I, I haven't even just... mentioned Craig Cathcart as being a full back. There, See, in my head, yeah. he's not a full back. <laughs> no, I think we just. I think just discussing the positional group as a whole. I'm kind of looking at quality, what they can offer you as a whole group. Um, so just based on that, I think that's where my kind of decision that. A C plus is probably where I'm going, just because I don't know. It's hard because we don't really know what our starting fullbacks will be. It's kind of hard to kind of make that decision, if that makes sense. I don't know. That's why I'm kind of stuck between the two. But I think just from what we've seen so far, with Kiko being out and not available, it's hard to to feel overly positive. So maybe I'm being a little bit too negative, but I'm gonna stick with the C. <laughs> um, and then let's look at central midfield. Where do you feel on that? Central midfield. Lots of unknowns there. Yeah. Um, well, let's go through them all, shall we? Uh, I don't know how much t- game time Dan Gosling is going to get, but um, I feel pretty confident in his reliability alongside Tom Cleverley. I think they're both reliable players that are going to give you everything they've got, but maybe not tear up the park. Imran Loser is you know, meant to be quality but we haven't seen it yet but you know there's plenty of time there um we've already seen just how impressive Shirai Kuchka can be I'm really impressed by that one we know what we're getting from Musa Sissoko um and we believe that Ozan Tufan is 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 meant to be a quality player as well so I would say it's probably our strongest area 
Um, a mm. B plus is what I would give it. I mean, I can't really give any of these areas an A because we're we're talking about the Premier League here, so we're looking at you know we're comparing ourselves alongside Man City and that. I wouldn't be looking at it as like I wouldn't be looking at it as like Man City having an A. I think you'd be looking at for what we have kind of within our means. How do we feel? How good is this positional group for what we kind of should be okay. hoping for or expecting? Like relative to us. Well, an A then in that case. I think it's our be- I think it's our yeah. best area midfield. Okay. Personally. I'm gonna go for. I'm gonna go. I agree with you, in a lot of ways, but I'm probably going for a B, bordering on B minus, only because okay, I thought so we've got you're, a lot. Okay, so you tempted me out of the B, and then you're going to go for a B yourself. <laughs> I see how you. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying it's because to me, for me, I, I think we have a lot of quality there. I think we have more players of higher quality than we've had previously, but it's it, the balance is an issue for me. I think we've got a lot of similarity there. Which, if you're looking at playing three similar midfielders, fine. Just for me personally, as a as a as a personnel guy, it kind of scares me a little bit to see you put your eggs all in one basket from a, from a, a, a tactical standpoint. So maybe I feel like we just accumulated too many similar players, um, and and we're maybe lacking in a in a couple of key areas. If we had someone that, if honestly, if we had maybe Gosling out and someone a little bit more creative in, even if Zinkenegel had stayed or even if Queen was available, I think I'd be looking at more of a B plus um, bordering on A, but just purely down to the point or purely due to the point that we don't have that sort of player, that's kind of what's leaning me towards that B minus kind of area, even though I think player for player it's probably our strongest uh, strongest group. Yeah, Which moves us on to... Uh, the, yeah, the, mid- I, the midfield has been weakened by the uh, the lone moves out. Yeah, I, I think it has, and I know it's I know it's squad balancing and, and finding ways to to bring players in from other, in other positions. You have to get some out, so I get that. I just feel like we've kind of we've had, we had to make some sacrifices to to do what we've done. I think that was definitely one of the sacrifices that was made was kind of taking players out of that position or players that can play in that position. Um, so wingers, I'd say, would be the next category. Okay, if we're if we're classing wingers as their own, there's some crossover here too. I think you have to be able to include, you have to be able to think of Dennis or Chucho as players that can play wide, and then counter to that, I think you have to be able to consider them in central areas too. Okay, well, I, I think an A. I mean, I've been really impressed by Dennis. Um, Sar is obviously top quality, um, and I think Hernandez has, has shown that he's got something about him as well. Um, yeah. I think I yeah. think I think an A. I think I think an A is fair actually. If I was to give any criticism, it would be coverage on the right hand side. Mm. Um, again, I think if Zinkenegel was still here, I'd probably give it an A. I, I'm still probably leaning on an A, a base maybe an A minus. I'm to give it, um, but I, I think we do have a lot of quality there, and I, I, we've seen we've seen enough to suggest that we've got some we've got some good players in that position, especially too if you think. I don't know, I guess Josh King can, can play wider too at times as well. So maybe just an A is probably fair. Would you, would you say that um, Hernandez is predominantly a left-sided player if, if he was going to be deployed? Uh, yeah, I think just for his ability to cut in and, and kind of be quite direct. I mean, even the goal against Villa is a prime example of that. But not that we expect him to do that every game. But I think he's someone that you want to you wanna get on the ball. And from that left-hand side, it does allow him to... When you kind of play these inverted forwards there, it allows them a, a certain route to go, which they're comfortable with. And Hernandez is a is a carrier; he likes to run at players and, and bring himself onto that onto that right foot. Opens a lot of space for him to bring others into play or to to get some shots away. And I think he can play in a variety of positions in the front too. I think he's quite effective, and he can play centrally in his own too. It's not his strongest point, I don't think personally, for what we're trying to do, especially. 
Um, but in, in terms of where we are with our squad, I think the left is probably his best position. And also in recent years, he's got quite a lot of experience there too. So I think that's mainly where we'll be looking at him him playing. Having said that, he can, he can contribute uh, in a central role too, which is why we definitely should consider him consider him in the in the forward category as well. So moving on to the forwards, what's your what's your feeling on this? Looking at Josh King, Dennis, um, Chucho, Pedro, Fletcher. Um, am I missing anyone there? No, not really. Um, I don't feel as confident about about that position as I as I do the wingers. Explain. Well, I think there's a lot of um, un unknown there. There's a lot of an unknown yeah. quantity. Um, mm. Obviously, we've we've we know that Josh King has has done it previously for Bournemouth. Um, and we've seen Pedro play well in the championship. We um, we've seen some some good things from Emmanuel Dennis already, and Ashley Fletcher, of course, bagged himself a goal in the in the in the Carabao Cup. But um, I don't know. It's missing. Um, it's missing someone with the, with the same kind of pedigree as Troy Deeney. Not not Troy Deeney, but it's missing someone that that is you know the number nine. If you know what I mean. Is it is it a certain level of just uncertainty that's making you hesitant? Yes, like yes. you don't you don't know what to expect. Yeah, I, I think it's a tough one. When you, I know we didn't really necessarily have this last year, but when you play in the championship, you can be a little bit more reliant on a centre forward or a striker to be that source of goals. I do think as you go higher up the kind of football pyramid and you get towards the Premier League, um, teams in our position, we have to be a little bit more creative in how we score our goals and we have to kind of spread the load a little bit more because it's hard to find those strikers that can consistently score at that level you look across the league and there's not there's not many that do it especially around our our position or our kind of our area of the table that we're looking to occupy um so I think that's what gives me a little bit of hope when you look at the likes of Dennis I think his his work off the ball has been really good in that central position against Villa it was great um and Joe Pedro is someone that can be creative and can be a goal scorer for us but he can bring into play some of those real kind of threats that we have in the wide areas whether it's whether it's uh, Saar or Dennis or, or, or even Semmer at times these or Chucho these players that can that can occupy those areas and be a threat from wide I think we always have to look at the the striker position as somewhat almost more of a support position than it is a goal scoring position at times um, especially compared to what we saw last year where we're looking at it being more of a focal point although having said that even last year we're still playing in a similar way Jao Pedro is contributing with goal scoring obviously but our threat was still coming from those wide areas and midfield too. Um, so I think we'll be looking to, to kind of continue with that. So we maybe have to kind of analyse or or assess this positional group as something a little bit different to what we're kind of normally leading to think of it as. It's almost like the wingers and striker roles are reversed at times, you know? Yeah. Um, but so, so what would your grade be on these? For the for striker, um, yeah. B, B, yeah. He's also quite a young group too. I'm just looking at it now. I know Josh King's probably the outlier there, being 29. But Pedro, Hernandez, Dennis, all under 23, uh, and then Fletcher, 25. It's it's quite a young group, so there's not a ton to refer to either, um, and obviously not a ton of not a ton of Premier League experience there. Josh King's that outlier at 29 years old. He's obviously played um, played a little bit more, uh, but I, I I think I think for me, you kind of I, I'm probably the go for a, a B as well. You, you also um, you can't pick one of them and say he's the he, he's the starter. He's not, you know. He's no, but I quite I quite like that. The team sheet. I quite like that. I like I like the 
as I said earlier, I like the interchangeability. I like the, the flexibility, the variety we can have in forward areas. And I like that in previous seasons, in, in, in terms of our striker group, just look at the, the Premier League last time. You can even do this with the Championship as well. But if you look at our, our makeup of strikers, they, they, had, they were very different. Gray, Deeney, you, you put those two in the team, you have to change how you're playing to, to get the ball to your striker and how to play with your striker. You have to change completely. Um, even Pericha is, you know, again, he was a different sort of player too. Uh, and it's nice to have a variety of options, but if you are going to play in a certain way and you are looking to play in a certain way, we are kind of going for our, all of our eggs in one basket kind of team building right here. At least you can say that forward line. You can bring in players and feel comfortable they can do a similar job. Maybe with some slight variations, depending on the player, of course. Chucho is a different striker to, to Dennis, but they have some similarities in terms of mobility, flexibility. Um, they can do lots of stuff off the ball that some others can't. So I at least feel confident that if one man goes down, the next one up can come in and play in a similar way, which is, I think, based on what we try to do this season, is relatively positive. Another thing we did forget to talk about um, in regards to the wing was we also have Barr as well, who didn't go out on loan. Um, so that's another one to consider. Although I don't think he'll be heavily involved, he's still one that will be around. Alvarado was on the bench in the, uh, in the in the Carabao Cup game. Did you see that? Yeah, I, I did actually. Yeah, I forgot. To, yeah, I'm not sure how how often we'll be seeing him in the squad, but yeah, I guess that's true. Actually, we didn't mention Hungbo going out on loan either. No, Hungbo went out on loan, didn't he? Yeah, uh, Ross County. Um, mm. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Got, yeah, yeah. It seems a little bit of an underwhelming loan move, but I get it. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was hopeful for a championship club, but uh, you know. Yeah, top end League One, maybe like around that sort of level would have been good. But yeah, so so that so we're kind of both falling on a B then for that. Yeah, I think that so. group. Yeah, well, well, interesting. I think when you look at that, it, it does really kind of show. I think that's probably a pretty fair reflection. If anyone is listening to this and has any differing opinions, please please feel free to to let us know because I think we're quite curious as to as to, as to what people's thoughts on this are. But I think it feels just. Based on what I've seen, uh, people discussing, it does feel like that's kind of the current, the current consensus is that is really our the order of our, our strength in terms of those groups. I think that's probably where most people settle down on. Um, yeah, yeah, interesting. All right, all right. Well, moving um, on. What's, yeah. what's next? What's 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 next? Um, Do we get any? Have we had any reviews, Matt? Probably not. We haven't probably haven't talked enough to get any reviews. Yeah, really. I think the reviews are. Where the hell are you guys? <laughs> Yeah. Where have you gone? You've yeah. missed like three games. Um, okay, yeah. So um, we've had it. Well, we've had it. We've had a new review. Uh, five stars here. Uh, it says best equestrian podcast. Uh, d- despite lengthy and largely football slash Watford FC based chat for ninety percent of this podcast, it remains an essential listen right to the end. If you consider yourself to be someone interested in detailed horse based tactical analysis. <laughs> There we go. It's a it's a deep sport. You've got to be able to consider it from every angle. I'm glad that I think between the three of us, we we cover the kind of equestrian realm from different angles, and it's good to it's good to know that we're we're at least making an impact on at least one person. There. What's the name of the review there, Matt? Um, the the name of the review is uh, "Don't Like Disc Games L." Oh, it's up. Oh, so he's back. He's back with another <laughs> with yes. another review. Thank you very much for. Um, continuing to uh, to give us some we do have some we do have some great reviews all, all the way back to last season but you you've had plenty of reviews give uh, personally haven't you jordan direct direct to your 
Twitter box. Yeah, which, I've uh, had some. Had is some it, nice, another, is some it nice another feedback. way of giving us some feedback? So. Yeah, I feel like asking for a, a personal review feels a little bit egocentric here. But if I mean, look, if you have something you want to, if you have, I've also had some which have been suggestion messages, suggestions for the podcast, things that we could do better on, not necessarily negative reviews, um, but things we could do better on, which I think we've tried to incorporate some of those actually, um, because ultimately we are doing this for people listening, um, which is still funny to us that people actually want to listen to us talk about football, but. Um, yeah, if you have any ideas or things you'd like to, like to have change or us to talk about more or less, then definitely let us know in any any capacity, whether that's on on Twitter, a DM, um, or if you kind of leave a review on on iTunes, we'll be looking for that too. But if yeah, again, if you are giving a negative review, let us know why. A because we might be able to improve it, and, and B because it's kind of funny. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and obviously the five star reviews help us in the I mean I guess they help in in a podcast like us how how much do the reviews actually make a difference man would you, would you um think? yeah massively because uh, they do okay it, 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 it changes the algorithm I don't know how it works but it basically means that more people see us um I wonder how many people found us through the algorithm how good question just... good question Is... I don't know um I I'll think... be interested to see the metrics on that I think mostly um, it's word of mouth, um, so mm. people will go to their friends and say, "Oh, if you uh, if you happen to want to listen to a Watford podcast, uh, listen to from the Rookery End because the Watford buzz is absolute donkey." <laughs> 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 no, uh, I think um, we need we need some sort of system to actually we need sort of some sort of system to actually encourage people to share the podcast, don't we? Yes, yeah, we do. Um, like some sort of referral. Hmm. Mm. What, some kind of, oh, we're brainstorming. We're brainstorming here. Anyone listening, of, if this part isn't being cut, but some kind of incentive. Well, yeah. Like I mean, I feel like a shout. I feel like a shout out is pretty lame. Um, so we got. But we need. Yes, yeah, we've got. I've been offering socks out. <laughs> yeah, we could. I mean, we could honestly, but mm, yeah, we need. We have to come up with something because we need to encourage people to share the podcast with friends, fellow Watford fans. Yes, excellent. But we'll, we'll be back next week, and we will be back next week. I promise. I promise we'll be back um, uh, to discuss um, Watford's amazing, amazing win over Wolverhampton Wanderers. Is is what we're going for. Um, yeah, but it might be consoling you after a defeat. Who knows? I mean, honestly, I, the way I'm feeling at the minute about from from what I've seen is that. Um, the 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 future is the future is bright. I think at the minute. I mean, there's not there's not a lot to be too disappointed about. We it was a bad game against Brighton, but we bounced back. Um, we played well in the Carabao Cup. I mean, we we played a very strong Spurs side and almost came away with something there. You know, I think we just have to keep going in the way we're going, and, and we're going to be just fine. But yeah, that's that's yeah. This is a bit of a longer episode, actually, as well, including. But I guess they, I guess we just, we should be putting out a longer episode. We've been away for this long, I suppose. Yeah, if you've spotted so far that um, Thomas randomly appeared at different points, and none of us have talked to him, <laughs> it's because he wasn't here. But we, but we got him in anyway, um, because Tom, Tom's part of the team, so he had to had to say something. <laughs> and also, <laughs> and I'm, yeah, I'm actually I actually like this format better. The format where Tom can be included, but I don't actually have to sit and speak to him is, <laughs> is quite preferable to me. Um, <laughs> so yeah, if we can keep that going for a while, that'd be great. Also, yeah. um, <laughs> I was going to say back to sorry, just going just full circle, not full circle, but back to reviews for a second. Um, yeah, if you do have any, if there are particular segments of this 
like these these conversations we have, these topics we we discuss that we feel like you, or you feel like we don't discuss enough, or specific things you do like do let us know because we are kind of just I guess we're not winging it, but essentially we're just talking about what we want to talk about without any real regard as to what people actually like to hear. Um, although we try our best, we don't actually know. No one um, tells so, us. No. Yeah, exactly. We 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 can you can customize. We've got a small enough fan base right now, I assume, that you can you can customize this podcast to your requirements. This is your so. podcast. You, you, you tell us what you want, and we'll we'll do, we'll, we'll do it. Yeah, exactly. So get in touch. Let for us know what you need well. for free. Yeah. yeah. Oh, if you want to hear less of Tom, let us know. We can make it happen. Um, and also that. <laughs> I mean, I tried to do that. I tried to. I tried to say, guys, do you want to take over for a couple of weeks while I'm away? <laughs> I tried, man. I tried. <laughs> Tom, do you have anything to say on the matter? Yeah, I didn't think so. All right. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll be back. And and also, please feel free. Please go and uh, not just share this podcast. If you could go and subscribe and share the equestrian buzz, much appreciated. Obviously, this is a this is the kind of the chart. The what the buzz is kind of the sister show or almost a charge show. The equestrian is a much bigger wider spreading show but um, yeah please feel free to go and subscribe and uh, share yeah much better alright well uh, we'll be back again uh, very very soon but until then from myself and from Jordan and from Tom wherever he is uh, it's, it's goodbye and uh, see you next time Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 